Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Hey, everybody! Welcome again! So glad you are with us. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Resurrection Sunday, best day of the year. Uh, my name is Joey, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor right here at the Block Church. We're real honored you're with us. I want to welcome our online community and also all of our physical locations across the city of Philadelphia. We love you. Aren't you grateful to be a part of great big family? And uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Excited to bring God's word to you today. And I've been thinking a lot about parenting, especially now that I have two kids. And uh, it, it, uh, it's not really two kids, it's three kids. My son got mad at me the other night because uh, I wasn't talking positively about my dog. So it's three children. <laughs> And uh, when you hit the parenting club, if you will, there's, there's a crossover point where you go from FOMO to JOMO. What I mean by that is like, you know, when you don't have kids, maybe like you don't get invited to a hangout or to a party on Friday night and you're like, man, I, I, you know, I feel some sort of way about it. But when you have kids, uh, you're not getting invited because nobody wants to be around the kids. But also, great, it's the joy of missing out. Honestly, because how many parents know what I'm talking about? Uh, on a Friday night, uh, it, it, a good Friday night is is a, is a pizza pie. Uh, and also, if you can get through more than one episode of a show be without falling asleep, it's a party. <laughs> so there's great joy in missing out these days. Uh, but you know what I have noticed uh, when you're in the parent club uh, is is you do certain things that are a little bit weird. Like you you can spell certain words really fast. I can. I will correct your spelling if you try to spell a word wrong really fast because I'm the king of it. Uh, and also, uh, you know, like, you know, you're in the parenting club when like after a while, the stench of the dirty diaper, you don't even wince anymore. <laughs> you're like, you're like smelling it. Oh, this is a good one. You know, like, <laughs> you know, you, you're so tired and so in love and so annoyed at the same time. I live perpetually exhausted, uh, in love, and angry at the same time because these are little terrorists. That's what they are. Um, but, but, you know, you do anything for them. When you hold that baby, it's like because you're alive, because you live, there is something inside of me. There's something paternal in me that is just like radically changed because they're alive. I feel like I, I, could, I could swim an ocean if it meant doing something or saving my children. But because they exist, I'm forever changed. You know, Easter or Resurrection Sunday uh, is so significant because at the end of the day, if Jesus came and he lived, and he certainly was a historical documented person. If he came and he lived, uh, but he did not rise again, he's a fraud. Yeah. All of this is, is phony. It's fake. It's pointless. It's, it's kind of dumb. But because he lived, you and I are forever changed. Yeah. Because he lived, you can do and be anything. Yeah. You can do and overcome anything. And 
On this Easter Sunday, the title of my message today is Because He Lives, I Can Fill in the Blank. Because He Lives, I Can. That's where I want to go today. And uh, before I read some scripture, I want to give you a little context because it's possible you may be here and uh, not familiar with the story. And Jesus, our Savior, has died on the cross for our sins. That's Good Friday. And some context there, the Easter and the resurrection is post-crucifixion. But Jesus was the sinless, spotless lamb. He was a necessary sacrifice to cover our sin. His blood makes you and I family. Jesus' life is an impossible fulfillment of prophecy over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. The whole Old Testament is actually telling the story of Jesus Christ coming. Isaiah 53 describes Jesus as a suffering servant. And Hebrews 9 says he bore punishment for all mankind. This is who he was. Galatians 3 explains, excuse me, Deuteronomy declares that anyone who dies by the tree is cursed. But Galatians 3 explains that mankind being cursed is redeemed because of who died on the tree. Uh, Jesus' death happens, this is wild, uh, at Passover, which was the Israelite celebration of hundreds of years prior, I mean, I mean, so many years prior of when God delivered the Israelites from being enslaved by the Egyptians. And so what happens at Passover is the angel of death comes to, to take out, to kill the firstborn of the Egyptians. And God says to be protected, you have to kill your best, your spotless lamb. And you have to wipe that blood on the doorpost and the angel of death will pass over you. It's significant, it's significant because this was their best offering, their best lamb, and the lamb's bones could not be broken. Jesus is the pure spotless lamb whose bones were not broken until death. Who it's his blood over the doorpost of our lives that redeems us and restores us and changes us. But it's all for naught if he doesn't live. It is. Well, one more small thing to consider is there was actually a 400-year gap from God speaking to the prophet Malachi and there's utter silence to his people until Christ came. It's really easy to lose faith in silence. And what, what's interesting about the resurrection story is we have Jesus who dies on Good Friday, but then there's silence until he raises from the dead. And that actually is a foreshadowing of the silence that the disciples and people had to wait to really see if he was who he says he was. I think for me, the most memorable part of the death of Jesus is when he's on the cross and the thief looks at him. He looks at him and, and he says, will you remember me today? The other sinner next to him, Jesus says, you'll be with me today in paradise. That's good news for a wretch like me. Here's the point. Here's the point. There is a lot riding historically on Jesus' claim that he was the prophesied Messiah. If he comes back to life, it changes everything for you and me. If he doesn't, it's all for naught. Matthew 27, verse 62 says, The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, Sir, we remember what the deceiver, they're talking about Jesus, uh, once said while he was still alive. I just want to stop there for a second because, you know, we call the enemy the deceiver, but the enemy will always use who he is and manipulate and say that against you. 
Uh, So after three days, he said, he'll come back from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If this happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. We'll lose control. Pilate replied, take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. Now, the stone weighed two tons. So no small group of disciples are able to move this. I was just thinking, you know, the enemy uh, will always attempt to steal and shut up what God intends to transform or resurrect in your life. But rest assured, listen to me, rest assured as you submit your ways to him, when God intends to do something, he's going to do it. When you submit yourself, your ways, your life to him, when God attempts to do something, he is going to do it. What do I mean by that? Well, listen to me. If he intends to have your heart today, he's going to get it. But let me say this. If, if he intends to perform a miracle in your life today, he's going to do it. If he intends to resurrect a marriage or a family today, he's going to do it. If he intends to open a door in your life today, he will do it. If he intends to close a chapter in your life today, he will do it. No matter what the enemy intends to seal up and shut up and close down, nothing can hold him from the grave or from the grave that you've made. That's why the resurrection is so significant because the resurrection is of course about our salvation, our faith being real, but it's bigger than that. It's broader than that. I shouldn't even say bigger than that. It's, it's, it's more practical than that. For your everyday life, it matters because you can't, you're not just being resurrected Not just being resurrected for salvation, you're being resurrected to live a life of freedom. And in Matthew 28, verse one, the Bible says early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. He said, I know you're looking for Jesus who is crucified, but he isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said what happened. So come see where his body was laying. You know, according to many historical accounts, Beyond the Bible, there were more than 500 documented witnesses who testified of the resurrection. The Old Testament foretold of this taking place 500 years before Jesus was even alive. Because this wasn't just a spiritual resurrection. This was a medical resurrection because it's documented that Jesus lived and then died and then was put in Joseph's grave. Not only that, he was documented to have been seen after the resurrection. And I want, I want to ponder something for a moment. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about his existence and his resurrection? Let's think on this for a moment. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love 
John chapter 20 records what happens later on on that resurrection day. And the Bible says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said, as he spoke. He showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, I find it incredibly fascinating that these people were hiding behind a locked door. They were, of course, afraid of their own people, the Jewish people, based on the claims that they made that he was the Messiah, the risen king. And of course, they're probably afraid of the Romans too and all of the implications of this, that their own people would turn on them. All of this was nerve-wracking until he came. I understand that in life that the, the time in between God's deliverance or provision in your life is a bit nerve-wracking. But that moment in time, the stillness actually exists to build our faith. It exists to stir us to trust in the Lord deeper if God always automatically... What if Jesus would have died and five minutes later he would have risen? That would have taught us nothing about endurance or perseverance. It would have taught us nothing about waiting on the Lord. It's actually in perseverance that our strength and our faith is built. Charles Spurgeon, the great theologian, said this, Our master came to his cowardly, faithless disciples and stood in the midst of them uttering the cheering salutation, Peace be unto you. My soul, why should he not come to thee, though thou be the most unworthy of all whom he has bought with his blood? I love that because it's true at the end of the day, we are so unworthy of Christ's redemption. Yet in our faithless moments where we have the door locked, where our faith is dwindling, where our trust isn't there, he comes anyway. How many of us, I want to ask you today, how many of us keep a door locked in our life, in our faith, in our heart out of fear, out of distrust because we don't believe that God is real or that God is good? How many of you is your life shut up because of depression or, or fear or anxiety or sin or, or crippling decisions you've made? But I want to declare to you, and I want to say, thankfully, Jesus is greater than any locked or closed door. Any heart that's broken, he's greater than. Any place in your life where you've shut him out, or where you've sealed the proverbial tomb, he's greater. And he's not limited by closed doors. He's not limited by closed hearts. He's alive, and he's ready to pour out his Holy Spirit on you right now. Because as I said before, the resurrection is about our salvation. It's about the truth of our faith, but it's also about the victory in your living. It is. 
They were filled and he stood among them. As he spoke, there was peace. But he says, as the father came, I am coming to send you. I'm coming to send you. And, and I think that's a significant and important when we consider this locked door. Because what would happen if you unlocked the doors in your life and you opened the doors? You, you opened the doors and you said, okay, God, you're here and you're sending me and I'm going through. Now I know you're with me. Now I know the resurrection power is on me. I'm going through the door. Because he lives, I can go through the doors of my trials and of my troubles. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face divorce. I can face the cancer. I can face the heartbreak. I can face the addiction. Because he lives, I can face the losses and the trouble and the health journey because he lives. I can win again because he lives. I can dream again because he lives. Anything is possible because he lives. I have the Holy Spirit because he lives. I can be free to not hide out of fear. I can go through the doors that God is with me and willing to open with me. Because he lives, I can. And then one day, I'll cross the river and find lies No one And then as death gives way to victory, I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know he reigns because he As I close this Easter message, I'd actually like to recite a portion of the classic, That's My King by Dr. S.M. Lockridge. And I wanna honor uh, Pastor Carl Stevens, who is the, the senior pastor of the church that my family and I met Christ at in Florida. He just retired, he'd been there for decades. And he would recite this every year at Easter and I felt it fitting this year. And the Bible says he's the king of the Jews. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. That's my king. 
David says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine in true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He's the only one to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He forgives the sinners. He discharges the debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. He's king and is the key of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. Friends, I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you the heaven of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explain him. Because you can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him. And you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. And the witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. And death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. He always will be. He always will be. He had no predecessors and he will have no successors. Friends, there's nobody before him and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him. And our God is not going to resign. And here's what I'm telling you today. In him, you can do anything because he lives. I can. And I want somebody loud and proud to give our God some praise today. Because he
Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.